0: (laughs) Ghost Island Media.
1: Hi guys, it's Nature Nate, and I have a special bonus episode for you. Last week we talked with Isabel Agard from Last Object, and something that we touched upon was sustainable feminine products. You might actually remember, a long time ago, our show had two Emilies, and one of them was Emily Cardinelli, who I'm going to talk with today. Emily played a pivotal role helping us develop our first suite of episodes, and you can actually hear her voice in the straws episode, where she reacts to a turtle being tortured with a straw. We made her watch that video multiple times. (laughs) So today we're here to uh, catch up and talk about feminine products and their sustainability implications. How are you doing? Where are you? Hey,
0: Nate. It is good to talk to you guys again. I am in... Actually, rainy Gainesville, Florida. Right now, we're like in the beginning of hurricane season. So
1: Those are typhoons, right? American typhoons?
0: Yes. The myth is that they rotate a different direction, or is that the truth?
1: I, I think they're the same. I think it's the wind. I don't think it's their nationality.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I work here at the University of Florida. I do a lot of audio storytelling. Right now, I'm also doing some project management. I've been here for years now, I guess, two years, but we're picking up on this episode. I remember when we first started and we were brainstorming what we could talk about. Sustainable menstrual products was one of them because menstrual products are something that you have to use. Like there are some ways that you can get rid of your period as like birth control or you can have surgery later on. And You can do that? Well, I mean, you just get your like uterus removed or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That's really dramatic. Yeah. And they won't do it unless you have like tumors and it's like a really horrible thing. So I actually, that's not really an option. That doesn't
1: sound sustainable. It's
0: it's (laughs) not an option. But when you have to have your period and you have to use something, I remember sitting down and thinking this tampon is in a plastic wrapper and it's in a plastic applicator and then it's just
1: paper or cotton. Oh, I think I know what an applicator is, but I, I might be wrong. So what is an applicator?
0: That's a good question. So a tampon applicator. Tampon comes first wrapped in like this candy wrapper, plop, paper, whatever thing. So you're unwrapping like your Butterfinger here. Then you get this plastic. It looks kind of like a torpedo, I think. I don't know what a torpedo looks like, actually. I, I'm assuming.
1: A cartoon torpedo.
0: Like, yeah, exactly. And it's this piece of plastic that is it like a shell. It encapsulates the tampon. And it has a plastic plunger that you push, and then you push the tampon into your body using this plastic cartoon torpedo-looking thing.
1: I'm actually glad that I asked this question, because that's not quite how I understood the mechanics. I didn't realize there was a plunger.
0: It's like when you're getting a shot, you know, the thing they push. Is that called the plunger? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, you push it in.
1: Don't know how I thought that worked, but <laughs> the plunger was, <laughs> it's like negative pressure? I don't know.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be dope. <laughs>
1: So um, so as a man, I've never had to think about this in my life, but uh, how many do you use? Do you use like one tampon a day or two or three or is, does it depend? Yeah. What, what are we talking about here? How much trash is, are we generating?
0: That's a good question too. And that's like so highly variable from person to person. And also it's changed throughout my life too. So when I was a teenager, I would have heavier periods than I do now. So every month I would get my period for like, probably five days full flow. And then you have like some days at the end where it's like not full flow. So it's like a lighter period, but you're still using tampons. These days, my period is like four days long and it's not as heavy. But on an average period week for me, I probably change my tampon like three or four times a day. And then I use a pad at night. Yeah. Wow. Three or four times a day, and then I use a pad at night. So that is four plastic applicators, and then for at night a pad. It's like there's a plastic wrap, and then the pad itself has plastic lining on the top and the sticky part on the bottom.
1: Do, do all do all do other men know this? I mean, I I knew that there was several used, or at least one a day, but I didn't realize it would be four, and then like another separate product for the evening.
0: A lot of people sleep in tampons. I don't because my mom has drilled into me like there's like you're gonna die. So I just it's like an Asian mom thing. Maybe it's so
1: much work. You know, I should really be achieving more. (laughs) I have like a I have so much free time. You know that I just waste.
0: (laughs) So um, yeah, I mean, you could easily go more than four in a day too. And then also there are some that like different densities I guess like some are more absorbent than others I'm thinking about it for the first time but some tampons probably use more cotton than others
1: sure like paper towels yeah or toilet mm-hmm. paper
0: exactly so in a week or in one menstrual cycle I could probably easily go through mm, 15 20 tampons wow 12 weeks out of the year so then I'm starting to feel guilty and horrible right because then I'm just using so much plastic so much paper so much cardboard and all of these parts around the tampon that you can get applicator tampons and you can get them in a box, but I'm not going to just put a random tampon in my purse because then it's like going to absorb all my purse stuff. So then I feel all this guilt and all this horrible, you know, like I should be doing more for the environment. There are all these other options. What should I do to look into it? So the first question that I have for you, Nate, I guess, is when I'm looking at or when anybody is looking at health products or menstrual products, something that you have to use How do you combat that feeling of I'm the individual consumer and the whole weight of sustainability is on my shoulders?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) It's saddening to me a little bit that on top of all the problems, the bloating, then you feel guilty. And I think that people feeling guilty about the environment in general, well, certain people should feel very guilty, but I don't think that it should just be half of the human population trying to manage a natural part of their body. So don't feel guilty, number one. The people who should feel guilty about their environmental impact are the ones who are living their life in such an egregiously unsustainable way for their own benefit. So someone who might chop down a tree for firewood might look like they're causing a really big environmental impact. But in reality, the guy in Sweden who's flying around Europe all summer, who's buying like multiple graphics cards for his Bitcoin mining operation, that guy's causing way more of an impact than you know just some someone chopping down trees. So I would just say at a, at a base level, like, you probably shouldn't feel guilty about that. You know, if you drive a truck, maybe you might want to feel a little more guilty. But, even, you know, even then, you know, I think there's there's exceptions. Like if you live in Florida, you know, you got to have a truck. I'm just I'm just being mean because Emily drives a truck. Yes. Um, but, but in general, yeah, I mean, you know, more than, more than half of pollution is industrial. It's from all these things. And I think that feminine products are probably a small percentage. So I wouldn't have it keep me up at night. It's sort of like the same thing around diapers. Like you're not going to have a baby because the diapers are like destroying the landfill um, maybe, but don't feel too guilty. I mean, don't worry about that specifically. There's other bigger things that we should worry about.
0: So, okay, now that I'm feeling less guilty about having to consume cotton, paper, plastic products for my menstruation every month, how are some ways that anybody, not just people who have periods, but anybody who's using like cotton balls, face wipes, that kind of stuff, how can we go about finding sustainably sourced health products? What are some good tips to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, I think that there's sort of some general principles for looking at the sustainability of products in general. The first one of those is just what is like the lowest hanging fruit? Like what is like my largest environmental impact and how can I mitigate that? And that goes kind of back to the guilt thing. So the easiest way to mitigate a product's environmental impact is to not buy it. Now, I don't think this really applies to like menstruation products, but it could be things like clothing, for example. Instead of buying cheap clothing that's mass produced by unsustainable companies, you can buy more durable clothing that's made in a responsible way. And the same thing with other types of products, you know. So when I talk with people, everyone's very concerned with packaging and transportation. But the greatest environmental impact is going to be the raw materials that go into that product. So you're right to be concerned about cotton because it's extremely water and resource intensive. And you're also right to be concerned about plastic. But there are opportunities to use recycled materials, which are going to lower the impact drastically. I totally understand that not every aspect of a menstrual product can be recycled or should be recycled. But in the packaging itself, you could use recycled cardboard, maybe in the applicator, things like that. And then the way it's made, right? Like, is it made with renewable energy? Is it made in an energy efficient factory? Is it made... Actually, just those two things actually are the only questions you need to really ask. Are they buying and using renewable energy? And are they doing their other industrial processes in an efficient way? So buy less if you can, or something that's reusable, or something that's durable, or something that's made in a responsible way. So it's just sort of like a a loose hierarchy of things because you can't just spend like, an hour in target just googling the back of a product i mean i do that yeah. but you shouldn't do that
0: <laughs> it's not probably not good for your mental health <laughs> also something that would not be good for my mental health is knowing the exact carbon footprint of my tampon applicator so i'm grateful <laughs> that you don't know that information because i don't want to know that information
1: <laughs> well some people think that if you put the carbon number on it it'll change people's minds but i think that a tampon applicator is a really good example of why that's a stupid concept because some things that, like what am i what am i going to do like Well, this is uh, one gram and this is two grams. I mean, I don't know. That just seems right? it just seems so I would
0: just I would be up all night about it. I wouldn't. I mean, there's nothing I could do about it, but I would feel horrible. And I guess another question that I have to follow up is how can I find out whether or not a, a factory is using renewable energy and those kinds of resources?
1: The easiest way to do that is to just look at the brand, because most brands have said they're going to use 100% renewable electricity, at least most like consumer goods brands. I don't know who owns Kotex, which is probably the only feminine product brand I can think of off the top of my head. They have not sponsored this show, but if they'd like to... <laughs>
0: Send a girl some tampons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Send us some <laughs> solar-powered tampons. <laughs> So you want to check that the company that's making it is buying and using renewable energy. And they'll usually tell you, right? Because it's like it's a decent amount of money to do. But the thing that companies do that confuses people is they'll say, we're using 100% renewable electricity. But what you want to look for is, are they using renewable electricity in their supply chain or in their manufacturing? Because Apple has committed to use 100% renewable electricity. Apple has also committed that their supply chain will use 100% renewable electricity. That's a different thing. So you always want to check the supply chain thing. Most major brands don't make stuff themselves. So you have to make sure that they're requiring or encouraging or incentivizing their suppliers to use uh, renewable energy or energy efficient processes. Generally, it's it's pretty hard to know, though, to be honest, unless they just say explicitly. So that's why I always kind of default to like, if they don't say it, they're probably not doing it.
0: That makes sense. So if they say they're using sustainable or renewable electricity, but they don't mention the supply chain, it's like their office buildings are using. Yeah, Okay.
1: that's exactly it. Well,
0: That's a nice loophole. We love it. Well, um, I, on this long journey of realizing that menstrual products are a little quite unsustainable. And also there are probably, like you said, products that are, you know, durable, sustainable that you can use. I have gone on my own adventures on this. And so
1: great because I don't know.
0: I know, right? (laughs) For those listeners, there's a couple of different things that I have found in my search, and some that I've tried, some that I haven't tried. So I'll start off with the menstrual cup, the most popular alternative I think that people try. I I love the menstrual cup, actually.
1: I've heard good things.
0: Yeah, I had a diva cup.
1: Oh, they're not the same.
0: Well, uh, they're just like, I think it's a branding thing. Oh, okay. So there's a diva cup, the moon cup I've heard of. There's like another one. I get advertised them on Instagram all the time, actually. The ads on Instagram have pegged my environmental panic, I think is what it is. (laughs) But... (laughs) So basically, the long and short of it is they're silicone, body-safe silicone. They bend really easily into place. They kind of, like, suction in, and they just collect all of your period blood. And then throughout the day, when you're at work or in a public place, If you need to empty it, you can just like pull it out and dump it. You don't might not always have an opportunity to rinse before you put it back in. But I mean, there's like zero trash. Yeah, it's just you're going to use the toilet. You flush it down. the It's just a
1: cup, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. All the blood goes into the toilet. It's
1: like the reusable water bottle of tampons.
0: It is. That's a great um, analogy.
1: (laughs) They can hire me. (laughs) Yeah, they should. So the Moon Cup, dope, reusable, no trash.
0: That's my favorite out of all of them. I have had some friends who it's like a little uncomfy for, it doesn't work. Or sometimes if your flow is heavy, it, like it's very possible for your flow to be too heavy. Um, and it's just not as sustainable in the way that you just have to dump it out so much.
1: I mean, a, a product isn't sustainable if it doesn't work, right? And I think that's like the issue with a lot of green products is it's like, here's this useless glass straw. <laughs> like yeah. It'll just break once.
0: Right, shatter in your mouth that's a good point. So yeah, I would say on my personal ranking, the thing that makes me feel the least guilty about the environment and has been the most functional because at the end of the day or at the end of your period too, when you're done, you just boil it in your special menstrual cup pot that I have in my bathroom. So I don't confuse it with my kitchen pots. You boil it to (laughs) clean it and then you just uh,
1: rinse and repeat. You have to boil it every day.
0: Yeah. Well... I boil mine every day. That's like my own personal preference. I don't know what. What,
1: How do you boil it? Like with gas or electric or?
0: I have a gas stove.
1: That might not be that great.
0: Oh yeah, see there you go. There's a problem.
1: Uh, Yeah, because the maintenance, right? You know, I I I don't know. I mean, we we could do the math, but you should get an electric stove. That would be my only. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Electrify everything.
0: There you go. No char on my corn on the cob.
1: So you boil it and that's it. And how long do they last? They seem like silicon seems solid.
0: I have had mine for a couple of years. No uh, signs of tear. I don't know how long they last normally, though. That's a good question.
1: I mean, that seems like a good option for, yeah, off-grid communities and places with, like, not great waste management infrastructure and definitely producing a lot less trash. So yeah, even if there's some more energy usage from boiling water, that sounds easy to manage.
0: Yeah, for sure. The other options that I... I've tried the period underwear to sleep in. That's also fine. You just bleed freely.
1: What is the period underwear? Is that like a diaper?
0: Yeah, kinda. It's like a fancy diaper, I guess.
1: It's like a cloth, thick cloth thing.
0: Mm -hmm. It's well, so there are there's reusable menstrual pads that are fabric that um kind of like velcro around your underwear. Okay. And then there's period underwear where it's just the crotch part of it is like full of absorbent material. And you wash it, you wash the whole underwear. So I have used the period underwear to sleep in, but I am not brave enough to try it out in the world.
1: Yeah, it seems like a risky going out and about thing.
0: I Yeah, and I know like a lot of companies like have the guarantee and you can look at the technology and there's like the protecting thing, but I'm not brave enough to do that. The adjustment to that is getting used to kind of like Bleeding freely into the night. Oh,
1: free bleeding! Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you wash it in your um, normal wash. I wash it in my normal wash. I mean, I don't know how other people's standards are for their laundry, but I just put it in with the rest of my laundry, and it's fine. They come out clean. Hmm. They they served a purpose at nighttime, but that's it.
1: So there's different different products for different situations. It's not just like a one size fits all. It sounds like. I mean,
0: that's how I've been using them. There are people who do wear the period panties out into the world.
1: If someone's listening and, and you do that, then <laughs> kudos. Let us know. <laughs> then great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The fearlessness. The fearlessness is awesome. But so then the next iteration of that is a reusable pad. Same concept. You wash it at the end of the day. Maybe boil those two. I'm I'm, I haven't used them. I've only done a curse research.
1: I mean, if you're boiling, <laughs> it might be doing something else if you're boiling it. Like
0: That's true. Making some weird soup. Um, (laughs) You probably just throw it in the wash. I haven't gone too far into that. Oh, Emily, you're making soup? (laughs) In in, in our kitchen pot? (laughs) Not your bathroom pot? (laughs) So there's the reusable pads. And then on the more um, disposable side of this, I guess. So I started at like the least disposable. is like the Mm. menstrual cup and then like the period panties and the reusable pads. And then the other things that I've looked into are like biodegradable pads. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like because when you're using a pad, there's so many different parts of it. There's like a top liner and then there's like the sticky part and then there's a central cotton. So I think the top liner and the sticky part have plastic in it. And I think these biodegradable pads attempt to address that. Mm. I've seen a couple of brands. I haven't tried them myself. But uh, another thing that has been advertised to me as a person with environmental panic on Instagram <laughs> And then the I think the easiest, the most attainable for somebody who's just trying to be conscious and is hearing this conversation for the first time maybe is at home. I have a box of tampons that have no applicators. It's just it's just like a box of tampons. They're free. They're free floating. And actually in Taiwan, like this is how tampons are all sold. Like they oftentimes just come in a box and there's no applicator. Not as much anymore, but I remember being younger and going to buy tampons. And first off, like, there's no tampons. And second,
1: I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen them. <laughs> I mean, I haven't really looked, but
0: these days they're a lot easier to find. But I remember being like a teenager and just not having any kind of luck. And also, when I was a teenager, my Chinese was garbage. Could not say. I don't even think I can say tampon now. I don't know how to say tampon because I haven't had to buy them. But anyway, if anybody knows how to say tampon in Chinese, which is probably you know like billions of people know how to say this except for us. <laughs> but in Taiwan, they have a lot of the times you can buy a box of tampons with no applicators, or they have cardboard applicators, um, but no plastic wrap or they're just a little less. There's a little less wrap and packaging. So when I'm at home and when I'm not trying to carry a tampon loose in my purse, I have. Applicatorless tampons hmm. that are just the cotton and the string.
1: That's like the first step, I think. You know, mm-hmm. that's like the the gateway product. Just on on the bioplastic thing, I mean, that's a common problem with a lot of beauty products too, right? Because if something's biodegradable, then that means it could fall apart when you're using it. So that's always the mm-hmm. problem with bioplastic. It's like it either works as it's intended, which means it could just dissolve randomly. Or it doesn't work as intended, and then it's just plastic. So then it's like, what am I really doing differently, right? Yeah. Because some plastics, like oxy – I'm forgetting the exact term, but there's an like oxo-degradable plastic that is dissolves in water. It's like the Tide Pods. Mm-hmm. So that's good, but that would be horrible for like a, a menstrual product, right? If that was right. like – that would defeat yeah. the whole purpose. Yes. But then if they use PLA or something, then that's just basically polyester. So there's – I mean, I, I think the a bit a bit dodgy. I think, you know – not that I'm going to tell women what to do with their bodies, but you know, in an environmental standpoint, I would say the thing that you can reuse is probably the best and then just whatever fits with your lifestyle the most.
0: The last part about this conversation that I will sprinkle in there is I didn't think about this until I was an adult. So menstrual products are either inside your body or like touching your body at all times. So you want to be very careful about what is in them. You have to ask the questions of like what chemicals are being used to process this cotton mm. or like. The body safe silicone is a huge thing. I have not seen um, like a menstrual cup that's not specifically labeled as body safe silicone. But I mean, sometimes on Amazon, you could try to buy something like a menstrual cup and then you get like an off brand or something just doesn't go right. And the silicone is not body safe or there's a lot of different things that go on in that conversation. So it's a little bit of a separate conversation, but I think worth mentioning These days, like organic cotton is advertised a lot on different menstrual products. And that adds a whole different question of sustainability because normal cotton, I'm understanding, is you have to use a lot of like pesticides and different types of things to process it. And organic cotton theoretically is not supposed to have as many chemicals in the process.
1: Yeah, I'm not like so much an expert on organic cotton or like the Better Cotton Initiative and textiles and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, cotton is an extremely water intensive, pesticide intensive, land intensive, labor intensive commodity. It's it's I think if aliens came to Earth, they would be like, Why are you making clothes out of that? You know, or why are you making mm-hmm. whatever you're making out of that? Like there's so many better options. Like hemp. Mm-hmm. But for the, in terms of, like, being safe for your body, there's, there's a lot of other, like, horrifying things, too. I mean, we don't have a really clear database or understanding of some of the, like, public health impacts of using plastics and having it inside your body, right? Mm-hmm. And your body can absorb. You know, I, there's, like, toxic shock syndrome I'm vaguely mm-hmm. familiar with. It would be nice to think that a company that is, you know, using renewable energy probably has like a good labor policy is making, you know, female beauty products would would look into the chemicals, but a lot of times it's difficult to find like green chemistry qualifications and e- even further is we don't even know how these chemicals interact. So, i'm not I'm not saying like chemicals are bad. I'm just saying there is an approach that we can use to dealing with this, which Europe often uses, called the precautionary principle, where you assume that a product or a compound causes harm until it's proven otherwise. And so, I don't know how you would find like, a a product that would explain that in it's green chemistry but i think that that's like the kind of thinking that you would want to go into and then again it's like the rule of like if the company doesn't explicitly say like our chemicals are safe then they they either don't know or they aren't you know because there's there's no way some marketing person hasn't said like what about the safe chemicals and the the ceo is like, like
0: yeah no those are all true
1: yeah. So keep that in mind. Green chemistry, and uh, we have very limited understanding of uh, the things we consume. <laughs> but silicon's fine. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get bad silicon.
0: Oh, that's good. We go light on the cynicism on this show.
1: Well, I mean, well, you well, sorry, you could get bad silicon. uh
0: oh, 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 yeah. Okay.
1: But like in general, like we've had we've been putting silicon in our bodies for a long time. Right. And it's okay. Right. 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 Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I was able to ask you some of these questions because that absolves some of my guilt and also gives me a good framework as to how I can go about thinking about my beauty products and also like, you know, helping my friends or just having any kind of framework for sustainability is always helpful.
1: Good. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's what, you know, we were trying to do with the show in the, in the early days. is says, you know, make people feel less guilty. About their own individual actions. We should feel guilty about our collective struggle. But um, you personally, you know, using a tampon is not like, you know, you're not going to tell your kids in 50 years, like, grandma, what was it? It was this tampon, you know. I just, <laughs> yeah. I needed it. I know. The climate, you know. Um, that's not going to happen. It's it's all the other, you know, the other things. And then, uh, yeah, the, the basic framework is just use less, buy less, reuse, and things that last longer are usually better. I hope if someone's listening or someone wants to, maybe I'll do this when I'm bored, Uh, just Google like life cycle impacts of, of different menstrual products. Mm -hmm. So thanks. Thanks, Emily. This is fun to uh, think and think and talk about. Thanks for sharing your research and your, your firsthand knowledge.
0: Oh yeah, of course. All right. Cool. Thank you, Nate.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for reporting live.
0: Thanks Nate so much for talking with me about sustainable menstrual products. I learned a lot and I will talk to you soon. I'll keep in touch.
1: Yeah. Stay in touch. And, yeah, thanks for being on the show, and have fun driving your truck later.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm leaving now. Goodbye. Okay, bye, Emily.
1: (laughs) I'm Nature Nate, and this has been the Waste Not, Why Not podcast recorded at Future Ward, a co-working space in Taipei, Taiwan. If you like this show, consider supporting us on Patreon. Do you have a question for us? Tweet them at us. We are at Waste Not Pod on Twitter, and our DMs are open. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Give us a good rating to let us know you really care. This has been a Ghost Island Media Production. This episode was produced by Yu Chen Lai, myself, Nature Nate. Our executive producer is Emily Y. Wu, edited by Yu Chen Lai. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.
0: And then they cost money. They cost money is my favorite part about this whole thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and it's taxed, too, I assume.
0: Uh-huh, it is taxed. Why
1: don't they just make them free?
0: That is a question of the century, right?